Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to awaken to the truth of your soul? Welcome to today's episode of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show with your host, Nadia Khalil. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to today's show. Today is Friday, January 18th, 2019. It's a big, big time in our lives, 2019. I used to think we'd be in gas masks by now, yet we found a way to do something about the air, which I think is awesome. But today's show, Questions Friday, it's one of my favorite days because then you guys get to ask me questions, and I love answering questions. And I have a question. It is from Croatia. So here, an issue in the States hit Croatia through the radio show. So here we go. She says, hi, Nadia. I have a question for the radio show. I was watching clips about Chris Watts, man who murdered his pregnant wife and two daughters. As I was watching clips about the case, everyone was surprised and said there were no signs that he is psychopath. I get how they fake their behavior and are very good at it, but still, I don't understand how his wife didn't see any weird signs of his personality, even before the mistress because they were in a close relationship for a couple of years. Actually, by the time this happened, eight years, two years in courtship and then one year, um, I'm sorry, and then six years married. So she said, um, also, is there something that we think that we need or going to get through another soul that we choose to maybe overlook the signs or we don't even see them and we settle in unhealthy relationships in a place of vulnerability. And then there was a third part to the question. Nadia, I thought about this question. I think we just don't know what we don't know. But if we want to say something, if you want to say something, because of Chris Watts and this whole case, the case is it's in Colorado. You can look it up, Chris Watts murdered. I wanted to talk, and that's why I was talking about blindness, really looking at signs, what are people really telling you, pay attention in the beginning, ask a lot of questions, because we have evolved to noticing this personality type. I was absolutely riveted and fascinated by this case, not because he was lying, You could tell the first interview I saw is what caught me because I'm watching this man talk about his family and he was trying to play it off. They were taken or abducted somehow from the house and that he could just go on with his life and erase his family. They call him, they call this type of person family annihilator. That the thing with him was they called him a malignant narcissist psychopath, which means that, you know, he, he's obviously narcissist, but there's so many different kinds, and, and it's so easy to misuse the word narcissist because there's different levels, and some people who do possess narcissism aren't bad people, and they're not going to kill somebody, and, you know, it's just their operating system. It's the way their brain operates. If you acknowledge that and you you will, because we talk about it a lot, but also we are evolving into saying, oh, wow, that person's all about them. Is it something I can do? Because they do help, and they are 
decent people. I've known many that I love till this day. And they're not easy. They're not easy because you have to keep restating your claim. It's hard for them to do things for other people and all of that. But this man had a whole different set of circumstances. And so how did his wife not know? Well, she did She did know at some level that something was off and that she had to feed his ego pretty regularly. All of the videos she had online and on Facebook were all about how much they they all loved their dad or she loved her husband, what a great man he was, all of that. But putting that aside, over and above him, what I was fascinated about and I'm still fascinated about was watching the interrogation tape and watching our police force, our detectives, our FBI know what was going on to him directly. They talked to his illness. They knew, but they let him tell them or let him get to it. And the blindness that he possessed, he thought these people were his new buddies. But they were searching for the truth. At every turn, when they would catch him, he wouldn't even blink. And then he'd tell them the truth, just like he would if he said, I wanted ice cream right now. He would say, well, yeah, I did murder my wife, but I murdered her because she was murdering the kids. And I lost it. She was evil. When he knew he did it, progression of the information being disclosed was one thing. Watching our people, the people who are fighting and whose jobs are to get to the truth, fighting for his wife and his kids to be found, fighting for where they would be found, how they got that information. That makes me believe in good even more than I already do. I knew that we are in this together. And if one person falls like that man fell to his family and did what he did to his family, that there's a whole tribe of people to pick up that information and make it right. And that's what we saw. I, since then, you know, watched many other cases because I wanted to see how finality. And a lot of times, they just didn't talk to the person. They figured, okay, the person already did this. We know it, but we have to get the information. How do we do that? I was fascinated at their patience, at their compassion, knowing that they're sitting with somebody who just did something that none of us could really easily cross a line to do unless we had that makeup in us and get the information we need and do right by people who are even gone from here. That level of respect. How do you know along the way, which is why I do the shows. When people say, well, why do you keep talking about narcissism? And I said, because it exists. And if you don't know or have not had the topic discussed, whether you are a man or a woman, and you run into that personality, 
the most important thing is, is that you at least know. You at least know. Because if you know what you're dealing with, it doesn't mean they're going to kill you, but in, in this case, you know, he had other issues going on in him. And he had no line between right and wrong, which is where the psychopath part comes in. You know, I know many people who have narcissistic traits, and they're, they're definitely not someone who would hurt anyone knowingly. And so it's not that everyone who has that can do this. He's an extreme case, and he did have other factors. So just keep that in mind. But if you are somebody who is dating, I mean, my kids are. And you're meeting people, and you don't know how to filter through. And I tell them, you know, people who have certain traits are very charming in the beginning. They come on strong. They want to make a splash. But ride it out. Because in the beginning for narcissism, there's something they call fuel. They need fuel. They get fueled by something new. They get fueled by something exciting. It makes them feel good. They're In the first seven times they'll see you, you don't see any traits of the narcissistic personality that it seems to go away. They ask you a ton of questions, but what they're really doing is talking about themselves, finding out just what they need to find out about you, because then they know how to to deal with you and handle you, because that's just their operating system. And then they want to rinse and repeat. And not all of them are mean, not all of them are, you know, it's just just like people who aren't operating on that thinking um, system where it's hard for them to feel. So they have to say, well, how does it feel to fall in love? How does it feel? Because they just don't know. And so they try to act it out. But that's how they think things are. It's not that they're, oh, they're so bad and, you know, throw them under the bus. That's not the way that goes. But It's a choice to get in a relationship like that. But in the beginning, you don't really know that because you don't see any signs of it. And by the time you do start to see signs, you have committed in a certain way because they do bring that about. Like, oh, we'll be together forever. Let's get married. You know, let's do this. And, you know, in two weeks they're married, you know, or something like that or already planning to be married. So there's – look at that element of too fast too much, too soon, Um, you know, making kind of a big, big gesture, not really caring to meet your friends, but you meet the few that they have. How long have they had their friendships? Are their friendships deep with other people? How does their family view them? All of those things can come into your decision-making process. And just to be aware, because get videos in hindsight is so great, but it's also a teacher. You know, she was trying to keep him fueled. And when when the financial burdens and everything got too much, he no longer was fueled by his family. He was burdened. So he flipped. He just went from, I love my wife and kids, and I'll take care of them, and I do this, and I do that. And he even said in one of the interviews, I never thought in a million years that he would meet somebody else. And, and you know, I've never felt this way about anyone. Well, he said that about his wife at some point. But he's repeating the cycle, but he needed new fuel. The part about him that was fascinating was how little he felt to just take out his own kids and his wife. Blame the wife and her death for killing them, and then he killed her in a rage. And he just, 
He would lie, and he acted the whole thing out. When they told him you didn't cry, he started to cry. When they told him you don't care, he started to act like he cared. He was just mimicking throughout the entire investigation what, you know, a detective may have said to him. He mimicked on a on a TV interview. So he was just, you know, taking whatever anyone said and using that and didn't care if it made sense or not, didn't care. As long as he was talking, he had no clue on reading the signals of the disgust or the fear or the, the initial something's really wrong here from other people. As long as they didn't accuse him, he didn't think they knew. That's the blindness. So that's, those were the signs. There are signs, and we've talked about them to ad nauseum, but that's why we talked about them. There's so many good people who can see that. And I don't mean the guy's bad by saying good people, but good people who know the good enough to know when that's not there, when it doesn't exist. So that was a, that was a good question. It's a very fascinating case. And the reason it's more fascinating is that in the state of Colorado, they can film everything, and they just dumped it all onto YouTube, every single interrogation, every single conversation. And people have been studying it because he is somebody to study. It's like watching it for real, what it's like to see all of this happen. So it's interesting, and it's fascinating, and it's a teacher all at once. So thank you for your question. I also wanted to talk. I got a mail from somebody, um, writes quite a bit at times to me. And I'm used to her being optimistic and going forward. And yesterday we had a conversation. And in that conversation, she was really, really hard on herself. Like she just come down from believing in trying and wanting to try new things and and all of that. And then told me all these things that, you know, she didn't feel were good about her. And I do want to speak on it today because sometimes when we get upset with ourselves, we start cutting ourselves up so hard without realizing that maybe the reason things didn't happen in one arena of your life that you may have wanted to, whether it was getting a degree, getting a certain job, meeting for a minute, ask yourself. And I ask myself all the time when I start to feel like, wait a minute, why is that not working? But by now I'm getting good at saying, oh, wow, that isn't my direction. That isn't where I need to go. If Something isn't falling into place when you put all your effort into it. Not with, I want this back and I want that back and nothing's happening enough and then you're impatient and you just take off. But you really put all your effort into it like you did. And it isn't your path. doesn't mean you're dumb. It doesn't mean you're stupid. It doesn't mean you swear at yourself. It doesn't mean you start to take away from who you are as a human being. Please, pay attention to the fact that that's a sign. There were things, you know, they say, I thank God for unanswered prayers, because if this worked out, I would have never found out the other thing. Whatever's going on in your life, 
to you after you put in all your effort. It doesn't mean you have to go out and find a day, something else to replace it. It'll happen naturally. But give yourself the chance to find out what that is. And it can start by you just doing what you like. If you need time out from life to just not do anything so that you can rest your soul enough to start to feel again and naturally walk towards what you love, you realize that what you do every day, what you choose to do every day, is what you love. Is what you love. If you want to work with people, find people to work with. Find children. Find old people. They always need our help. They always need our assistance. I know a woman who liked to work with kids and started a daycare, and she ended up making a living for her whole family with it. People who created services for older people and found that they can make a difference in so many people's lives. It doesn't have to be a big stage. It just has to be a real stage to do our work on. But taking away from ourselves is letting our ego devastate us and tell us how much we are a failure, how much we can't make things happen, how much we are not okay. And it's hard when you bombard other people with all all these ideas because there's so many of them, just like you don't know where to start, they may not know where to start. But whatever idea you may have and you do want to help people, find a way to start small so that you can build and understand the process and then that experience you have which you have a certain amount of experience already in life, you can start putting to use. It's not about new experiences changing your life. It's about doing what you do every day and finding a way to help people and still be able to help yourself by making enough money to do it. Because whether anybody likes it or not, we all have to make money. been doing all this time. But I I had to find a way to survive, whether I liked it or not, because I could not give up on the work. And that's true for everybody. And then as time goes on and you build experience and you build, you know, what you know, this, this whole body of work, then you start to put a face on it. Oh, this is what I do. I didn't know what to call it all this time. It's really a process. Everything in life is a process. You wake up every day and it gives you one more day of processing, of experiencing, of enjoying, of trying, of hitting the challenge, of overcoming the challenges. And one day you may overcome one challenge and start a new one. But taking yourself down at every turn probably isn't, and I know it's not in your best interest, but calling yourself names and going from, you know, I'm so happy to I'm the worst person on earth 
isn't going to help you. And if you can just say to yourself, wow, when I talk like that, that really doesn't help me. I've done this and I've done that, and I can create now something from the, from the base up that my services will be of value enough for people to pay me to do what I love to do. There's many ways to help people. There's many ways to involve yourself in your own work. And, you know, chasing a title, chasing a big thing, that you can't chase it from the top down. It's, it's a lot of work. I mean, I taught someone yesterday, and, you know, I'm always working to spread this message. And I'm, I'm meeting people who are saying, oh, wow, you know, you've done the hardest part. And I took myself as far as I can go by myself. Because I'm pretty much, for all intents and purposes, at any given time, a three-man show. I do most of the work, and then I have somebody manning a a website. It's just they don't even know. They're a company, and I have to pay them every month, and they just make sure my website's relevant and updated. And then I have somebody who helps me with my posts. But I have to do the posts. I have to do the writing. I have some more than others. But it's all that I could afford to do at this time. But that's better than it was two years ago when I was doing it by myself. So everything is in baby steps. So don't, if you didn't get what's up here, decide that that's telling you you're an awful, dumb person. It just means that wasn't your direction. At the very least, let's help ourselves out, the very least, and know that you have to start to start. Be patient with yourself. Find out what you need to do to start a business or to start what you want to do. But nobody starts at the top. Nobody. They can't. They don't have the experience to start at the top. So I just needed to say that. Um, thank you for writing me. I, I didn't even have the time to write back yesterday, but I wanted to talk about that to everyone because I hear it a lot. And putting yourself down is going to take you nowhere. Okay. I have one more question, and this one is from Paul Clark. He said, um, dreams are – wait. Oh, we were talking about Dream Team Thursday yesterday, and he said, amazing how we were talking about, you know, how good the dreams were that we got. And he said, are scary dreams ever just meant to be scary or only repressing repressing solutions in another form? Oh, repressing solutions in another form. You can save that one for um, tomorrow if you want. Scary dreams. Scary dreams are scary to get our attention. If you just had a dream where you're playing in a field, you probably would forget it. Or, oh, that was nice I was playing in a field. But every time somebody writes in the scariest dreams, I was getting shot, I was shooting, I was beating up, I was dying, there was a fire, I was taking drugs, somebody was trying to hurt me. And I'm like, 
Oh, wow. It got your attention. It got your attention. That's why we dream those dreams, because they literally feel humanly impossible to be happening. Or they're like that thing in your imagination where you may hear it's happened here and there in life, but it's not an everyday occurring event. And it just makes you come to this understanding that, wow, that was really weird. Geez, I'm so glad that that didn't happen in real life. Now you got perspective. But you also saw yourself live through it. And that's the whole point of Dream Team Thursday. It's so cool because it reminds you that no matter what happens around you, no matter how crazy, how weird, how nutty, you live through it. There's even cases, you know, and and we don't dream very much of our own selves dying. Even when we die in our own dream, we actually die. We see ourselves dead in the dream. We see ourselves dead in the dream. Think about that. Which means you didn't die. Because we actually never die. So instead of being oh, I died in my dream. Oh, my God. What if I die in real life? Well, you are going to die in real life at some point. But you didn't die in your dream. Tell you how eternal we are. Nothing will. We don't die in our dreams. If you can see yourself die, then you are alive to see yourself die. When my daughter was little, really little, She used to say to me all the time, and it used to bug her, and she would cry. This never ends. This just goes on and on and on and on. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Way before I saw Christ, way before any of that, I was so married to their dad. And I just would say, why do you keep thinking about that? I don't know. And she would really be upset about it. She was like four or five or six. And she just felt exhausted by the fact that this went on and on and on. And I never thought about it. And I honestly didn't care to think about it any more than, you know, asking her what she was thinking about. But it does go on. Right now, we are animated. We are in a body that moves in response to how we feel, what we say, what we're doing, why we're doing it, and how we can't really hide anything. That was one of the things I was so fascinated by in that case, there was no stone left unturned. And there was no stone left unturned through patience, through understanding, through compassion. And just like Christ says, you know, being blind, it was a perfect example of all of that. Dreams. But it always worked through subtleties of humans, being a human being. We are animated. Our eyes, good, bad, or indifferent. Our bodies, they tense up. They do all this stuff. All our body does is respond all day long. And when we sleep, our mind is responding to our day through our dreams. Do you really think about how cool life is? And that if you really set your mind to something, 
and, and put expectation, but you really set your mind to something. All of a sudden, this patience comes in, and you start finding a way. You start creating a path. You start building a plan. We are so much smarter than we think we are. We are so much more capable than we think we are. We have been taught that we have to be taught everything. I'm trying to say that, hey, wait a minute. If you feel something, follow that feeling. Because that's you. That's your mark on your own life. And on that note, my time is up. I will see you guys on Monday. Have a great weekend and enjoy this weekend. Bye-bye. You have been listening to today's Daily Dose of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show. To learn more, visit www.nadiakhalil.com.